2: scumbags this is the scummy mummies podcast with your hosts ellie gibson and helen thorne Welcome to the Scummy Mummies podcast. It's me, Ellie Gibson. And it's me, Helen Thorne. And our guest today is the amazing Mika Simmons. Hello. Oh,
3: my nice Let's
2: hear that. I've hello. talked over that with my trombone. Let's hear that again, please. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, hello. I see some at the end of a, do- of a long tunnel. Hello. Hello. Come in over. <laughs> can you hear yes Mika I'm sitting next to you let's yeah. not start off on a negative note let's start off on a jolly happy note because we're with you Mika and you make us jolly and happy
3: well I, I've actually been trying to prepare some jokes I felt quite nervous about coming on the podcast and I spent the last two weeks since you've asked me thinking how can I be as funny as Helen and Ellie and I've I've actually spent the fact that I'm just not going to be able to be but I would oh, like to tell you my Mika, favorite joke we didn't joke.
2: invite you because we think you're funny <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, no <but> that... <laughs> I, I thought i should tell you my favorite joke though
2: oh, oh this is good stuff is go it, on. this is like when my dad says i've got a joke for the readers all right go on
3: then Mika. Okay. let's hear Mika's favorite joke okay this, this is my favorite jo- actually i've got i've got some really dirty rude ones that i'm not going to share but this is my favorite joke of all okay. time are you ready <laughs> yes go okay what did the zero say to the eight uh seven <laughs> t- two uh nice belt
2: nice belt Oh. Ah. <laughs> thanks for coming Nika yeah. <laughs> that's all we've got time for sadly uh, I'm not
0: going to get a everyone guess.
1: loves a numerical based <laughs> pun
2: that's
0: uh, a great uh, book a great I thank you for
2: sharing thank you for being bold enough to share your truth with yeah. us, meeting
3: I thought I'd get out of the way but also I felt like I was auditioning for your next Edinburgh show
2: that, oh. to be fair that's better than most jokes in our last episode so i think that's and it's not even about <laughs> write it's, it down ellie write it, write down, it down down, write that down. <laughs> oh no thank you make now um, if you're listening if you've not heard of Maker simmons you'll be amazed here she's not actually a comedian Um Mika, <laughs> who are you
3: why don't you introduce yourself i'm not a comedian i'm an actor and a film writer and director and an activist in women's health Tell
2: us about The Happy Vagina,
3: because that's how we met you. That's how we know you from, isn't it? Well, I think we first met at a screening for iTonya, which yes. was for my charity, Lady Garden Foundation. But The Happy Vagina has been born out of Lady Garden Foundation, so you're <laughs> kind of on the right page. Yeah. I, I started my charity, Lady Garden Foundation, after losing my mum to ovarian cancer, which was it was quite a long time ago was 20 years ago when we lost her very quickly after a nine-month battle with that particular Mm. cancer and I guess the podcast and now book and also platform the happy vagina grew out of a burning I'm going to use all the words being born burning burning desire to integrate my work as an entertainer and a performer and an all-round show-off with the work that I was doing as an activist in the women's health space and I felt like somehow or other the work in the charity space was really important but I wanted to take that voice that I would developed and do something more entertaining with it and so the Half Regina podcast was born Mm. Oh, so Lady
2: Garden. Then, so what's what's the sort of what's the main what's the thrust? What's the main objective of, of Lady Garden?
3: So we started in 2014, and my next door neighbour, Dr. Susanna Banerjee basically became the head of oncology for gyne cancers at the Royal Marston Hospital. And she tapped on my door one day and said, you know, there was no money for research into ovarian cancer. And I'd already known that she would decided to dedicate her life to ovarian cancer. So I basically put together a group of women to fundraise, which I'm really bad at. So the money that has been raised by the charity, which is quite a significant amount, I have no, I can't really claim to have done any of that. It's over a million
1: pounds now, isn't it? it's over
3: two million. And I just like being noisy and basically as disruptive as I can, which I've now got a a lobbying board, Ginsburg Women's Health Board, where essentially all we do is make noise about women's health issues. Mm. And that's kind of where, I mean, you know, my mum was a really loud, obnoxious feminist. Mm. And I have that spirit in me I mean I set Lady Garden up because my mum died in my arms of ovarian cancer and a good 12 or 13 years later I think I was still somehow stuck in my grief so Mm. it's not been a selfish pursuit but I can hands down say that launching that has healed the gaping hole that had been left in my life after losing my mum and when people come to me and say what can I do about my grief I do say to them Go and do some good. Go and give Mm. back. So I think charity at that level, in that kind of feeling of the grassroots of a charity, is very important for us as human beings to be able to go and help to do something with pain in order to make change. In terms of healthcare and why it's dependent on something like Lady Garden Foundation to give the Royal Marsden and the ICR, which is their adjoining research facility, money in order to properly research ovarian cancer it's outrageous it's outrageous Mm. that actually the money isn't there from the government it's outrageous that the ovaries weren't discovered until the 19th century i mean if we want to go into like the the issues of women's health in general and why more money is put into prostate cancer than there is to ovarian cancer there's it's such a complex area and if i in my absolute ideal world health would be outside of politics and it would be outside of charity because it's fundamentally the most essential thing we've got as human beings. Mm. Mm. And
2: it's and it's a human right, I think it should be a human right to have healthcare and yeah. have Yeah. Mm. So Good. Fuck, fuck the Tories, that's what we're saying. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you say
3: that. But so it's not just the Tory government, it's just politicians and I'm I'm quite down on politicians at the moment. I think in mm. general, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. In general, yes. mm. they're like they they don't care about human beings. They care about looking good and winning and making sure that it's their legislation that's going through. I don't think that's true of all of them. You don't?
2: I don't. And I I know some for whom that's not true. I know people who are really principled and have strong beliefs, particularly about the NHS, and who do believe in making things better for the majority of people. Mm. And I know which side most of those people are yeah, on? yeah that's the bottom line there's good and bad on both sides of course there is of course what you're talking about career politicians and you know who are just in it for the money or the fame or whatever of course the power of course those people exist mm. on both sides mm. but if i had to place a bet mm. on which side had
1: the most of those people
2: yeah
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but you know yeah. but i know and in terms of um the the voice oh I mean, charities are a good place in which you can have a front in which you're, you know, you've done amazing work in advocacy and and also having a charity does give you that shop front in which you can start to shout louder and and confront mm. things as well. And I think so. So, what impacts have you have you seen from doing Lady Garden, and what what are you sort of most proud of with
3: the work that you've done with it? I think the most significant piece of research that we gave quite a lot of money towards is a new medication for ovarian cancer called Oliparip, which we were not the only charitable institution that put money towards it Mm. but it is essentially a drug which will prolong the life of a woman who has ovarian cancer providing her cancer is caught early enough and that was not available when my mum was diagnosed. Mm. And Would that I think, have made a difference to your mum's outcome? Do you it's think? really tricky for me to say because mum's mm. cancer was something called a serous ovarian cancer which is probably the most serious and because women's health is so misunderstood and we're so often gaslit by doctors, uh, when my mum went to the doctors, she was told that it was probably her menopause and fibroids. So in the gap between when the doctor told her that her bloating and repeat, repeated bleeding was probably fibroids, by the time she got her diagnosis, she was stage four and stage four ovarian cancer would not have had any benefit from having olaparib mm. because you're basically already kind of on death row, mm. which is again, coming back to the beginning of our chat, why I'm so committed and passionate to the activism and the voice and the kind of like change side of the work that I do because I mean my mum kind of did understand her body really well so it says everything that you need to know about why she believed this doctor that it was fibroids that as human beings in general we don't understand our bodies well enough we have handed over our entire agency of our bodies Mm. to the medics and I think that's outrageous I think we are like children in terms of our own bodies and our own healthcare, and I think that every human being should start taking more responsibility to understand the cycles in their body and to be healthier and fitter so that you know when something's wrong Mm. but my mum was one of those people and she did hand over her power to her doctor who told her it was fibroids but I think the more the more noise that I can make and the more message that I can send through the work that I do with the Lady Garden Foundation, through the podcast, Happy Vagina, through Ginsburg and the Health Board and just to try and like alert people to not necessarily believe your doctor if you've got symptoms, make sure you know what the symptoms are and make sure that if those symptoms are recurring and you're being fobbed off by a doctor, that you challenge them. You know, and, and so it's kind of, it's a double-pronged attack because you've got people raising money who are... Uh, Creating better drugs, you know. And actually, one of the things when I started Lady Garden Foundation that I really struggled with was whether that angle, that prong, is the right one. Because surely better health in general and better understanding of our bodies is a much more egalitarian way to deal with healthcare rather than coming at it from the other end. This person's got cancer, let's give them medication. What about if? Actually, health is better in general mm. so that we were obliterating cancer from that way and also better testing as well. That's the other thing that's really, really missing in terms of particularly gynecological cancers because it's such a complex area. We don't, other than cervical, because your cervix is on the outside of the body, we don't have great testing for these specific cancers for women. But yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think that being educated about your own body would mean that if you did have ovarian cancer, that particular medication, oliparib, should help you. So Mm. if you get caught stage one, two, maybe three, then it would give you... But we're only... I mean, it makes me feel really emotional. We're we're talking like two to three years. Mm. And actually, do you know, when I first heard that, I think maybe because I was so um, hurt that my mum had nine months, and most of that time, she was very, very ill. I think I thought... Like, my my immediate reaction was, so what? So what to have two to three years? We're still fighting this deadly disease, cancer, that is going to take that mum, mm. sister, aunt, best friend, wife from someone. And then when I thought out a bit and really thought about it, I could I could see that, that for people that are losing someone to cancer, that two to three years for them might mean that they could do the things. and And especially... Last year, I lost two of my uncles to cancer very, very quickly. So I've seen their families. Oh, Thank you. Mm. But I've seen the families go through an even shorter three-month period and, and not be able to spend, you know, go for that trip to the beach, mm. have that picnic with the family in the park that you wanted to, have yeah, yeah. The, the wedding brought forward. So, yeah, so oliparap is, is, is a medication that, if someone was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and caught it early enough... Might give them more time.
2: Mm. So that nine months, because I've, I've 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 known people who died, but usually very quickly, or they're very, very old. You know, what did how do you how do you look down the barrel of that? Right, we've got nine months. Like what? I don't know what you do with that
3: time or where you start. Well, my mum was extraordinary and uh, very resilient. Stroke, headstrong, stroke, perhaps a little naive. So when she was diagnosed i mean she went she went to the doctors and i think she knew by the time she was being called in for tests results quite quickly they move you up then you kind of know that they're taking mm. it more seriously mm. and the doctor left the room so she went around the back of his desk and had a look at the thing written oh, mm. notes nice. yeah wow and it said oh, stage she's... 4 ovarian cancer she's bold i love it yeah and mm. and Um, she came home and it just turned out that I was back at home for some kind of weird school reunion thing which was even weirder after the news she gave me but she just sat down and my brother was there too which I don't know why he was there but she just sat down and said you know I've I've been diagnosed with ovarian cancer and I'm not going to die and I I just I mean you know everything that she'd always said she was going to do she'd do And I didn't know what ovarian cancer was. I don't think I knew what the ovaries were, you know? I I, I don't, I just... So she said, I'm not going to die, and I just believed her. And then I came back to London, and I... A girlfriend that I was living with, when I told her, she kind of went white as a sheet, and I thought, oh, something's up here. And we had a bit of a chat, and she said, look, it is one of the most deadly cancers. It's hard to catch early, and the statistics of survival are very very poor so i had an inkling but my mum was like i mean she was just absolutely determined and the the bristol royal infirmary put infirmary put her on a trial a new drug trial like the one that we funded on a parrot and it she got really good results from it so the first six months of her being ill I don't think I knew I was looking down the barrel of a gun, even though that mate had kind of highlighted the fact. I had the mate who's being like a realist, and then I've got this, like, warrior of a mother Mm. who was absolutely determined that Mm. she was going to be the one that survived it. And then she gets put on this really, you know, innovative drug trial, and the results are good. She has probably six sessions of chemo, or however many she had, and we nursed her through those, and that was really hard. And my brother and I tag-teamed, so I was working as an actress, and i just had a couple of first big breaks, and my brother was working as a journalist, freelancing in London, and we'd do three days and three days, with a sort of switch in the middle on the day seven. And we nursed her through the chemo, and we looked after her, and loads of friends and family rallied round, she had an amazing uh, network. Commun- she was a very community-based woman. So we had a lot of support. But I don't think I thought she was going to go. And the really mad thing is, and this happens a lot, I've discovered, is that at the end of this treatment that she had on this new medication, she was given the all-clear. Mm. And I got very swept up as well. And I do need to say this out loud. At the time, there was this book out about a woman who'd healed her cancer through meditating and it was a period of time when there was a lot of noise going on about the power of the mind over cancer and stuff and I think it's quite dangerous, I have to say I think it's really dangerous because I don't think we understand cancer, I think cancer's are very, very different, and I think they're very different in the way that they can attack a different body. So it's so nuanced as a disease Mm. that the one person that gets the same diagnosis that can sit in a room on her own and meditate for an hour every day and get rid of her cancer, the same other person might do that, and that may not happen. Mm. But at the time, I was quite caught up in that Of course, because you're looking for hope.
1: You're looking for, yeah.
3: I definitely was looking for hope, but there was also a real... It was it was the time when that kind of thinking was first born. Mm. You know, it was really potent at the time. So the combination of me thinking I was God, and, <laughs> and that I could it's always con- a great start, yeah. always and good. That I yes. could con- unusual for an actor, <laughs> and that I could control my mum's cancer, mm. and the fact that this new treatment was working when she got the all clear. I I I don't know. Mm.
2: That I, that stuff makes me really angry, that stuff. You and I were at a wellness thing a few years ago and this bloke who claimed to be some sort of nutritionist but I think just knew how to peel an onion uh, <laughs> told this story about how someone... He read some story about a woman who cured her son's cancer by making the son eat a box of mangoes every day. Mm. And I became actively... Furious. furious. furious.
1: I'm just, Absolutely like, how dare you? Furious. You don't know
2: who in this room. Yeah. You don't know what they're going through or who they've lost. You don't know that someone's not sitting here right now going, oh shit, if only I'd made my mum eat a box of mangoes. What fucking horseshit are you talking? Yeah. It makes yeah. me
0: cross. Yeah and it doesn't make you cross very
2: angry (laughs) i I think
1: i think you're right when you're saying dangerous because when you're facing cancer as yourself or or your family you are so vulnerable Mm, mm. and this is everything Mm. and you you know of course you want everything to be better but um yeah so so that was did you say that was six months in about six
3: months in and and then then mum went off to america to to actually kind of see some counsellors and to do some processing I think really mm. she was really interested in self development she always has been throughout my life have been throughout my life and when my brother picked her up from the airport he said she could barely walk so she went for three weeks and when she got back three weeks later she was uh, uh, you know in just in so much pain mm. hadn't been able to eat and she went in for tests and she was in their words riddled with cancer oh. I'm just saying she had the all clear. Yeah. Oh god, and I'm literally so sorry. just so it must have been a month. I mean, I'm sure there was mm. a tiny gap between the all clear and when she travelled. Mm. But let's say a yeah. month, a month or so later, and we lost her six weeks later. Fucking hell. Yeah. And was she in
1: hospital the whole time?
3: No, I mean she, she was like, so she got back from the states and she she'd actually come back while I was on my first holiday for like a year. I'd gone to Corfu, I think, with a girlfriend and her family. And my brother and her decided not to tell me while I was on a holiday. So I got back from my holiday to receive this news. And I went down to Bristol to see her. And she was like, I'm going to go and get more treatment in Germany in this alternative clinic. And, um, you know, I think probably other than her dying in my arms, the most painful moment of my life was having to say first to my brother and then to my mum... So I said, Kia, you know, we we, we have to tell her that she's going to die mm. because she's she's disappearing. Mm. She's not going to make it, and I can see that. And so then we had to go into her bedroom where she was lying down in bed not able to get up in so much pain, and I had to say to her, Mum, you know, you're, you're going to die. Mm. And... Um,
1: That's a really hard thing to say. Yeah,
3: And sometimes, you know, and then sometimes since I thought, wow, what if I, I mean, I know this is a crazy thought, but there has been on occasion a thought of what if I hadn't said it? Like, did I, I suppose one of the things that happened post losing mum was that I would speak to doctors and say, why don't you, they told us we might have three months with mum. And what I've discovered is that they always say that. And I said, why? Why do you always say, when someone's now terminal, why do you say they've probably got three months? We we, we can't say, maybe three months. And they said, because miracles happen. So sometimes, and what the doctors have said to me is they don't want to lock someone's thought patterns down, right? Because the mind is really powerful, actually. Mm. So if they said you've got 3 weeks which is kind of you know 3 to 6 weeks which is more normal than the 3 months then that person might give up whereas if you say 3 months then that person rallies mm. and sees the family they want to see to say goodbye to mm. so they said that she had sort of up to 3 months and, and and she she didn't she had um like i think we had 6 weeks with her max um and She really wanted to die at home and I just, my brother had come back, we were still tag teaming and my brother would come back to London, he had to, we had to work, Mm. you know we we had to pay rent and stuff so, and the night, the day before she died she was really really erratic and I was scared and she just, she wouldn't let anyone else look after her. Uh, other than friends and family. So we did try to get in some, uh, like, Macmillan nurses and people yeah. to be in the house, and mm. she was having none of it. None of it. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't want anyone around her. Um, she was really scared of dying, you know. Yeah. She was very, very scared of dying. And how old was she? She was 54 when she died. Yeah, that's two young. Yeah. it's far two So we... Yeah, she was very erratic, and um, and I, I couldn't... Actually, I couldn't cope, and I don't... I'm not... I've never held a resentment against myself for it because I did such a great job of being present during her illness mm. but she did want to die at home and I didn't know that she was dying you you know what I mean it was say it was no. a learning curve is like yeah. an understatement but I basically she was so erratic and I and I called for help and the hospice sent an ambulance and I thought she was going in for a bit I thought we were going to have a break and then she was going to come home again. Mm. And I put my head on the pillow that night. We took her to the hospice. We put my head on the pillow that night. They gave me a little private room that I could go and have some sleep in. Mm. And I put my head in the pillow. And as soon as, I, as soon as I started to fall asleep, an alarm went off. And I knew immediately that it was my mum dying. Mm. And someone came into the room and said, come now. Yeah. And I went into the room and, and, and she was dying. Mm. And, you know, I, I do think that the human spirit is... I... I, I I think, probably, if I'd have been sat next to her bed, she wouldn't have gone because she didn't want to go. Mm. You know, she loved us so much and she loved life. And she had so much... She'd actually just become a a Labour Party councillor. She'd left my dad, or my dad had left her, or whatever happened but that was a mess and she was just reclaiming herself like yeah. like Helen like you are doing now like it's so wonderful to watch it's you go her through. new her new, yes. new stuff yeah, yeah. she bought this tiny little house in Bristol and she had a boyfriend that was an artist and a graffiti artist as well even though they were the same age and he'd go out in the middle of the night and you know like perfume boards he'd go out and like change them and put slogans on them and stuff and he was a painter decorator and mm. she was having the life that she wanted and mm. um, it was taking where, where is he it. now I'm just asking is Helen single I don't know
2: let's nice talk
1: about it <laughs> <laughs> do like an artist. I do. not
3: I, I have a penchant
1: for I'll an artist. Oh, give you
3: Steve's number. <laughs> very,
1: very, I mean, thank you very much. Uh, and I'm glad that this has turned towards me and my hungry, sex, hungry sex, sex life. Sex. Um, oh wow!
3: So yeah, but yeah. I don't. I mean, I, I, it's, it's good, it, it, especially for me because I am quite hard on myself. Mm. I did. I did have some big cries about the fact that I didn't give her her dream of dying at home, but I also know that I absolutely did my best. You know, absolutely. So, yeah, you
1: you absolutely yeah. did your best. And yeah. to be, I have a friend who's who's recently had a mother who's died, and she was there with her mum, and mm. and after her mum died, she hopped into bed with her and and lay next to her. Did she? Yeah, and she said that was really beautiful, and I just think, gosh. I think we, we, we're we still learning so much about how to cope with death. We don't talk about enough. We don't... And so and I want to say thank you for telling us this story because mm. I know it's not easy and I can't imagine um, going yeah. through that. But I, I think it's really... Thank you for... Yeah. Well, it was I, a long
3: time ago, though. The... And, like, I... You know, I was 26 at the time mm. and I did not jump into bed. I was absolutely terrified of what was going on. So mm. I think being a grown-up now and and needing to kind of encompass death would be a very different experience. Yeah, of course. But I but I think you know, I think it's it's just it's the thing that makes you, isn't it? It's the mm. things we go. Well, I was going say, evidently it was a life-changing, life-changing. moment for you. Mm. Yeah. And I think I mean it's really interesting, but as I said at the beginning, Lady Garden is the thing that actually really helped me finally fill the hole because I did some good. And in some ways with the podcast with the half vagina, I like it's a pleasure to talk about my mum and it's a huge part of my life's work to make change in terms of gynecological cancer specifically and women's health. But with the podcast, quite selfishly, there was a bit of me that was like, I need to stop talking about my mum now. For me. So I don't mind talking about it like this. I was gonna say, sorry, we've just started talking <laughs> about no, banging for 25 minutes. No, but 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 listen, like when you when you're when you're doing something like that, every single like dinner party I went to All anyone wanted to talk, it's not the same now. I've got other things that I do Mm. that I can chat about. Now people want to tell me about their vaginas.
1: <laughs> no, you'd be really—you've exactly. literally found a gap in the market, um, a gash in the market. Um, yeah, um, so there was definitely a hole in. Uh, yeah, in the, I might my next podcast niche.
3: might be about money, yeah. and uh, I don't know what else do we want to like bring into our lives. I, I but I, yeah, I,
1: I mean, I adore your podcast, and I loved we we did a live podcast mm. with the incredible Amanda Abington recently, and that was fucking hoot Mm. and it was great and we had a lovely lovely audience and everything like that and I, I just think I think you are really empowering women but you're empowering conversations and the more we talk about it the better it is because I up until I became single I was very shy about talking about sex never really masturbated never really I hadn't seen my my vulva I didn't know I never looked at my fanny mm.
2: listeners will know if you go back to old episodes of the podcast mm. uh, if if, if the subjects of fannies or wanky, your voice goes
1: oh no, it's fine <laughs> and I used to my, eye, my eyelashes would flutter yeah. and I, would put, <laughs> I couldn't even look Ellie in the face and Ellie would be like what's oh, a lemon party Helen uh, <laughs> Because you know what lemon pie is, no. don't
0: google it, don't, don't google you. it, don't google, <laughs> google it. It's like oh, tea bag, no. all the things, all the things. I know
3: oh, what tea gonna... bagging is. What's oh, the lemon oh, pie? I'm gonna oh, google
1: God. it to you quickly. What is it? Oh, you've it's, it's, I mean, I know other friends have listened to the podcast, but, but, but I, I mean, even though I've had my sexual revolution and I'm you know really into. <laughs>
3: Self-pleasure. But in I it love and, the fact that you even have to say that in a funny voice. <laughs> try it. Try she's, she's, rub yeah, she's, she's, she's rubbing her she's thighs. Like so she's like having a mild so panic attack. <laughs> Paper bag, Helen. <villain. laughs> say, say after me, I am having my
1: sexual revolution. I'm having my sexual revolution. Yes, Helen. Can you she not have it. it on
3: my sofa? I, I quite, quite like key. to have one. <laughs> I quite like to have a sexual revolution, actually. So that oh, is good. It's a phase. Resolution. It's
1: a phase. But it's, because um, I like, I love what you're doing on Instagram and 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 also I love that you always put like vagina in capital letters Like, yeah. I, I think I think what you're doing is, is so positive because I was that woman who was who felt shame and, and, and shyness and but me too yeah 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 me too Helen and you've come on a journey I am
3: on a journey we're all on a journey together I mean oh. you know it's um I think that what's really interesting for me having grown up with a mum who was really one of the forerunners in terms of exploring women's anatomy so when she died she was writing her dissertation in women's studies on mastectomies and the impact of whether women should even be doing that and stuff but she also used to have vagina examining workshops in our home right so you'd think that i wouldn't have been shy about sex but i was totally shut down about sex before Mm. i started the podcast so where did
2: that come from then that wasn't at home
3: my interest in sex. No, no, um, the, the, the shot, shyness. shyness and the yeah,
2: because if yeah, because if you weren't brought up in a house where it's like oh, it's never mentioned and it's yeah, because that's what we're told as school. parents, like, what we're told oh, you shouldn't call it a you shouldn't call it a or whatever school. you should call it by its proper mm. name, but you think it was school. school, yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think essentially you can have. I mean, I I went to quite a straight comp, like in the sense that my parents took us out of South East London to grow up in the countryside for kind of the good life. But the school, the local school was, um, it was quite sort of traditional somehow. Like there was something about it that wasn't, it didn't match my bohemian back, my, my bohemian home life did not in any way match my school life. And mm. at school, the it was really misogynistic and and bad for men too, but, you know, making fun of the girls for having periods, and the sex education was appalling, and the boys were taken out of the class when we were taught about periods, and most of the time, the the boys at our school seemed to like to chase us around the field and try and pin us down and put their hands up our skirts. I mean, it was like, it's like, Mm. it's like you know, like apes. And my school was like apes, and I think it doesn't matter how good my home life was, I'd come home with this trauma. I can really, I have to say, I do think that those school experiences are traumatising, and they were a stronger voice in my head than my amazing feminist, because because my brain at that age was malleable, and I'm a very sensitive person, I'm an artist and a creative, so I am, I do, I, I take things in probably too much, and particularly in my youth I took things in too much, but so it's like, when you've got Sort of sex that's um, aggressive and um, antsy and uh, and misogynistic in its in its temperament within your school teenage years. That's what that's how I learned about sex, you know. And I think I just thought, oh, this is like I don't I don't want to be empowered. I mean, I remember the first time someone at university said to me that she liked to masturbate to go to sleep, and I thought I was going to have a panic attack. I was, like, just I, I, like, I was just like, you know, yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? And then another girlfriend of mine who I won't mention, but she, we're still really good friends. And she once said to me that she could hear me masturbating through the wall. And I literally thought I wanted to jump off the fucking top of the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? It was such a fucking bad her out? I think she was just, I think she was, she was just being that, you know, when you're at uni and people are a little bit antsy and a bit mm. kind of like, I I think she was just trying to push my buttons. Yeah. But the fact was, is probably I was... I mean, I don't actually remember doing it, but I'm sure I was, and the thought that someone could hear me was mortifying. So Mm, I was just like you, Mm. and I don't think it's... I, I wonder
2: didn't. if it's a cultural thing as well, because I remember being about 20, and, and I did stay in South East London for my education. We yeah. talked about our vaginas all the time, and also it was a girls' school, so I, maybe that was no, it. I, no, I didn't so Helen went to mixed yeah. school as well, yeah. so I didn't have that aggressive sort yeah, of thing going no. on, so maybe that was it. So I was, you know, sort of not too bothered. But then I did go, when I was about 20, I went and I worked in, in Ohio, in America, for a summer, and I shared this apartment with these um, 15. Uh, American girls who are all about nineteen and who were all insane. Uh, and like, uh, so I think five of them were exotic dancers as well as working this theme park where we worked mm. three of them were in prison a few years later I heard <laughs> but they were all from like you know the midwest and the deep south and like proper, like real America right not mm. like New York and California mm. like the movies yeah. like, which mm. was what not naively at 20 mm. I sort yeah. of thought all was what America was yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. basically mm. sex and the city and saved by the bell mm. that yeah. was my touch point <laughs> and it turns out most America isn't like that no at it's
1: all. not like fame and no. these no. <laughs> were like that
2: they were, and they were it was a cult Awakening. They were lovely but they were very different to me, much more different than I'd been aware. And on my first day, um, they this they were like, Welcome to the apartment just so you know we're all really into masturbation. Oh. Uh, or jerking off as mm. they would call it and I, when, obviously then I started talking about wanking which they found hilarious because they <laughs> thought it was the funniest <laughs> word they'd
3: ever heard they just stay say, getting yeah, this like, I, was just <laughs> I was
2: basically Stephen Fry in Ohio um, but, but they I was fascinated by the fact that they were all super open with each other about it and not only the other people who would come to the apartment like men who would like come to the apartment wow. and in front of them like, I, I shared a room with them and uh, sort of, I was seeing this lifeguard bloke they were like i was like oh me and joey are just gonna go into uh go into my room and they were like um uh, i think it was Latanya Le- was like no no uh i i need 20 minutes i went to the <laughs> She's like, I need-. and i was like um well, we were just gonna go and hang out just on our own for a bit. and She's like, "No, no, no! I need my twenty minutes. I'm gonna go in there, and then yeah. you can have your twenty minutes." Yeah. and I'd be like, "Oh no, it's yeah. not for that." And everyone was like, "Yeah, it fucking is." So uh, wow. the it. And they used to like, hold my phone calls. Like, if anyone rings, tell them I'll call them back in twenty minutes and stuff like that. And I would like I'd lived in a university house and all this by that point, but that we that. that was mind blowing. Yeah. Wow, the wank house, the, the wank house, <laughs> it was called the Twenty Minuters. Uh, Like, you know, like the pilots who used to... and That was the average life expectancy. And there was graffiti about them and stuff on there. And people were quite proud of it. It was a real... I'm saying maybe that's why... uh, I think the girls' school thing, but also that, having that experience quite young was like, oh, fuck. Like, you know... I
1: never talked about wanking with my friends until my late 30s and early 40s. Mm, Right. So we have had a different... You know, also, I grew up... My my dad's a vicar and my... uh, Yeah, so, you know, it it was... uh, Never now, I'm talking oh blah, blah, blah. I've got all <laughs> Boris. Um, I yes, and it Don't wasn't that, no, 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 but I, <laughs> just it, it, yeah, just such you know, and it, it is the roll of the dice about you know the experiences you have, and yeah. lots of but it's, also now because it's it is changing overtly through the power of social media, yeah. through the power of yeah, louder voices, podcasts, yeah. and people who who are you know, thankfully pushing this agenda and pushing these. Um, conversations.
3: Yeah and I think when I started the Happy Vagina podcast we recorded the first season at the end of 2019 and launched January 2020 and that first season I think my intention was to interview humans but mostly women about gynecological stuff Another cat
2: podcast about gynecological stuff. <laughs> if you think it was enough,
3: by the <laughs> way, perhaps cat... fish, goldfish. <laughs> Everyone has to get pregnant somehow. No, <laughs> but I, I think I, because I'd been so heavily invested in Lady Garden Foundation, I think that's kind of where I thought the trajectory of my podcast was going to go. Mm. And then suddenly, I had eight episodes, and I did a little bit of a, like a fun quiz at the beginning to try and like break down some of the. Um, now, look, I've been Ellie. on your podcast. You're the shittest quiz master. Ah. I love you to bits, but look. you're shit at quizzes, Mika. They're not for I'm, you. It's, not your, so sorry, it's not your format. I'm so sorry, but Gwyneth Paltrow was utterly devastated that I hadn't included the quiz in her <laughs> podcast, so I I begged Did to do... Did podcast with Gwyneth Paltrow? Yes, babe. Oh, sorry.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, she texted me about it. She texted me about Oh, well, she I'll... didn't take me, text me you about know, it. No, because I... um, in, in my book, I talk about how... I bought Gwyneth Paltrow's vibrator, the double ended, Goop, the double ender, yeah.
3: which I bought because you posted. I it. I posted it, yeah. and I was you're like, you're welcome, Gwyneth commission." You're very worried.
0: Well well you she name. needs money. <laughs> She's
1: very worried about heating bills. Um, <laughs> it is, it is the best sex toy I've ever heard, yeah. and I've had it by myself most of the time. But I've used it um, when I've had, you know, one of my lovers over.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. glorious. Yeah. So, I just want. What's wrong I...
2: with a cucumber like the old days? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's like a vibrating it's t- cost of t- living crisis. You can't be telling people to buy Gwyneth Voltres. Get yourself you a Pringles to... tube Listen. and your electric toothbrush. Get a masking tape <laughs> over the top. Same fucking
1: difference. Oh, there's there's our next real Ellie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, also, actually, they can't deliver them to the UK at the moment because of probably Brexit, but I don't know. But she, that first season, which was Gwyneth on season four. But that first season, I did a really good quiz that is very educational and entertaining, Ellie. Um, (laughs) I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) And and, and within the kind of like quiz questions, there was always something about sex, like, you know, true or false, 65% of women own, uh, more, more in the UK, own a vibrator than a dishwasher true or false right and the false. answer is it's true is it yeah it's, is true. It bollocks? Yeah, it's true anyway so i've ask questions like that <laughs> listen, and I know, then I know, they I know. never stopped talking about sex on the podcast to the extent that when june sarpon came on i learned about the thing called the blended orgasm so my sexual revolution mm. happened like i know people are gonna be like i'm not gonna listen to me podcast because she obviously doesn't know what she's doing but i have had my my podcast has revolutionised my own personal relationship to myself as a sexual being. And the women that come on, every single one of them, teaches me something that opens my heart, my mind, my vagina and my vulva a little bit more so that I'm growing. And that's the thing that I get fed back mostly about my podcast from people on just DMs or just messages or however they want to get in touch with us, just saying that the education is not experts the education is from hearing women talk about it
2: yeah. Well, yeah, well, like the blended orgasm, was it? Is that when you like the toothbrush, but you get an, like a magic mix? <laughs> Obviously, you've got to make sure you don't have the blade on. Do not
1: remove no, the blade. No, 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 first. no. Keep
2: the blade for soup,
1: but oh, you will get a very. Oh.
2: Is that
3: what, what, what's the blended orgasm for the listener? That's, a, that's yeah. an
1: innie and an outy, isn't it? A blended
3: orgasm? It is. So, one of the mm. questions at the beginning of the quiz is clitoral or G Sport. And June and Natalie Campbell, Badass Women's Hour hosts, were like both. And I was like, yeah, okay, but if uh, you had to choose desert island only one or the other and they were like no no both at the same time a blended orgasm so you stimulate your g-spot and your clitoris at the same time and if you're stimulating both and have an orgasm, it is literally one of the most insane. Oh, it blows sensations. your fucking head off. It's yeah.
1: fucking lovely. It's absolutely Ellie, excellent. Ellie, have
3: you had a blended I, orgasm? I have.
1: I have, okay. thank you, Mika. <laughs> yes, now my voice is going all
3: high.
0: Hello, <laughs> oh,
2: um, so and I I didn't know it was called that though, I'll admit. I just I just thought that's it's a little bit of extra extra fun, isn't it? Well I
3: think the thing for me with penetrative sex throughout my sexual career is that I think I've come quite close to having that because often so I think most women need clitoral simulation in order to try to achieve orgasm right that's pretty textbook mm. M- more women find it easier to reach climax that way than they do through penetration but i've plenty of times i'd had penetrative sex and experienced something similar to a blended orgasm but once it was focused in my mind to mm. actually look out for it that was a different ball game and then of course over the last 5 years research has come out to explicitly uh, affirm that actually the G spot is at just the back of the clitoris so it's the it's the complex the clitoral urethral complex and the nerves that are behind the clitoris come back through your vaginal wall and create a soft patch or an, a, st- a patch that can be stimulated. And it is literally just the nerves of that complex. So it shouldn't even be called a blended orgasm because really you're stimulating the same thing, It's exactly. just like, yeah, it's a little you know, trapdoor, yeah. little,
1: you know. And
3: the little, only reason the of it, yeah. that some people don't have a G spot. So this whole like ongoing, slightly gaggy thing of does the G spot exist is it's just, it just needs to be shut down that conversation because. Of course, because our anatomy is so different, Mm. if you have a very thick vaginal wall and short nerves of the clitoris, you may not get that sensation on the back wall. So, you may not have that spot that can be stimulated, or it might change because actually the, the walls get thinner as you get older. So, that's partly why women have more intense pleasure. So, it can be harder to orgasm as you get older, but also when you do, you may find other ways to have pleasure as you get older because the body shape's changing.
1: And also I read your book, your clitoris sorry, your clitoris grows as you get older. Your what Um. grows? Your clitoris clitoris. (laughs) The Taurus. Your, your your lady button. Your love nubbin. Uh that that, that that grows as well, like your ears. The little man in the pink canoe.
3: Yeah. <laughs> your, and your nose the only Your nose, your grow. ears and your clit all grow. Every time I come on a podcast, which is not a huge amount, but I'm absolutely honoured to be here. Thank you for having me. Before I go <laughs> good on, backtrack, good backtrack. No, no, I Ellie really did a, mean a lovely it. night lunch as I well. Really so mean she did a lovely Yeah, we did a lunch, yeah, there there was no sex. Um, but I, every time I, I do say no quite a lot, anyway, whatever, the point is that, I always think don't talk too much about sex and don't talk too much about your own personal experience of sex because it's going to be out there and I can't help myself.
1: <laughs> no, no, that's fair enough.
2: I, I can't I, help myself. <laughs> I think I yeah, and I know some people complain about it, don't they? And so this, we're all going burn on about it too much. But I think, who? like you say, well, send them knows. to me. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have them. Yeah, but go. I think it's because, especially for people who haven't been grown up talking about it or, or grew up of a generation where it wasn't acceptable
1: to talk about it in yeah. public, it's almost like it's a release, isn't it? It's a freedom. It's, and and it feels like a bit of a that. rebalance because it... Especially... It's, it's Contra- not like it's a re- religion, but you sort of feel
3: like you are excited about it because it, it, was, it was locked away for so long. Well, and, and- it's interesting that you mention religion because, mm. you know, coming back to some of our earlier conversations about why this change is so important is that religion has had a profoundly detrimental impact and still is having on a on, a on on those er- for both men and women mm. actually it's not really gender specific but I just think that we carry such a deep amount of shame around it and and the, the teasing and the judging that I mentioned when I was mm. at school that you yeah. know you met may- but I think that is a lot of people's experience and I just I just think the more we can talk about it and normalize it and chat about it like you know do you want a cup of tea the better for our mental health, for our physical health, for how we treat each other as human beings, you know. Speak for yourself. (laughs) I think the whole thing's disgusting.
2: (laughs) disgusting women fiddling with themselves watching Bridgerton and having a little strum it's an absolute disgrace you should be ashamed of yourselves me and Pete we cut a hole in a sheet twice a year once Christmas once for his birthday job fucking done how yes.
3: is erotic twitch Ellie
2: erotic twitch yes we haven't talked about that oh so, that's yes. right so uh, regulators may know I do twitch which is like playing video games live on the internet while people talk to you and, and sometimes, sometimes give you it. money yes. yes it's basically like Exotic dancing, but I keep my clothes on.
3: Have you ever done that erotic dancing?
1: <laughs> I like where you're going is with that, this. I like where you're going with this. Is, I like that, going with this. is Ellie, that an
3: uh, invitation?
1: She, do you know, just, I'm just know what happens though, we when she gets drunk? She does a form of eroticism in the form of an Irish dance. I do river dance. Yeah, I you river she, dance naked? Is river dancer, naked. No. no, but it's very arousing. I'm it told.
0: is.
3: Yeah. yeah, people go. Is it the foot movement?
1: Oh yeah, it's, I think it's her bouncing bosoms. To be honest,
3: she doesn't move her arms.
1: No. <laughs> no,
0: no. Awesome. it's not that right. It's,
3: it's who, just... do,
1: who do you think I am? I know that we're new friends, but it feels like you've got a zero measure of me. I love it. I, I really like no it. 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 But Ellie, do you know what? Ellie? When Ellie was growing up, she tells this great story about her parents very... I love her parents, but they were quite, he'd been quite out there and they mm. take her to, you know, holidays in Marrakesh and Ibiza. And then she said there would be times where her parents would take her to nudist beats and she would be fully clothed reading her book. Me yeah, too. I didn't like it. I'm I, I keeping a swimming costume on, thanks. This is weird and they'd be like what are you
2: talking about darling just be free Just yes. it's the 80s let's just live And then, so you yeah. had the same experience yeah. we used
3: to go to nature's camps too but I just used to find the men, the men running and the women running too much do yeah, well, <laughs> you know what got to me always it was the table tennis <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't come with the table tennis oh, God. things flapping about I mean listen Ellie I feel that your your statement that I don't have the measure of you is, is very accurate <laughs> because you did come on my podcast and admit that you're not scummy at all so it's really fucking confusing because no, no, over the last five uh, years since uh, we have met, I've believed you're online. <laughs> I believe both of you are online. You were married. You were married. Yes, I was. And, and you were both mums. And now I don't even know if you've got children. They're not here.
2: <laughs> I don't even know if you've got a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Happy or <we're all> not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm
2: blended scummy. I'm a blended scummy, so I definitely. Have to... if you seen? You see my lounge You can see all the fucking Star Wars Lego and bullshit. If you open this cupboard, just literally a ton of shit will fall out. It's but colour also, coordinated. You know, I like. It. I like a matching cushion. Yeah, it's about balance. Seth,
3: I think you what's... should just start calling yourself scummy, though. I really think you need to remove the mummies. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's the, the elitist. The scummy. I think it's elitist. Okay. I think it's un, uninviting to those of us that are child-free, well, and that's I a think it's
1: uh, and and I think that can we just call it the Helen and Ellie show?
3: Yes. Helen and Mika.
1: Yes. Helen and Ellie and Mika's
2: joke. <laughs> Every week, Mika just tells her one numerical joke,
1: and then
3: it could be an ongoing gag. You know, I you know the a... one
1: about why six crying?
3: No. Because seven, eight, nine. Oh yes yeah i think that's a fair. i think that's a
2: fair in all seriousness it's a fair and interesting uh point because when we started scummy mummies our jokes we we bonded over the fact that we weren't relatively new mums and mm. that was and our humor was about that yeah. it was about childbirth and breastfeeding yeah. and nursery and all that shit yeah. and as we've got older it has expanded into sex and dating and yeah vaginas. relationships but also and, talking about appearance you know, and yeah, aging yeah. Death and death and, and all of that stuff. and also
1: money and politics we yeah. don't shy away from
2: yeah and we never did want it to be an exclusive club and we never did want people who were child free to feel excluded but I I, thank you Mika we will rebrand the scummy
3: old slags just just angling for a roll
2: the scummy wankers there you go (laughs) I'm in. I'm in. But uh, no, I'm interested. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? If you're listening and you think we should uh, change our hugely successful brand at this point in our career, do write in. Maybe after,
1: maybe after 10 years we can, we can, we can, we can can start the new decade of, of being, being uh, just, just slags, just slags. That's nice.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Speak <laughs> for yourself. One, one of us is a slag.
1: <laughs> oh. oh, I'm having a lovely time. But I, I, do, I do regularly um, uh, test for STIs. That's very nice. Do
3: you know what the etymology is of the word slag? Like? By no. any, by any chance, does anyone do you know Ellie? I don't know. I mean, it has to be from slag heap, right? Something to do with. I was just thinking, is it a mining? Yeah, mm. yeah, it'd be interesting to know. Because you, know. I like
1: you. You talked about pussy yeah. in your. I mean, you talk about pussy. you don't stop talking about, no. pussy. Talk about um, pussy in your book. Where's the, Where Where does
3: pussy come from? Porcelain. Oh, I love this. So in throughout the book for the Happy Vagina, which is um, as discussed, Helen a loud and it's. It's not superficial sure in a negative way, but it's a light read full of really loud. Ellie's actually yawning. <laughs> <laughs> I read her book. I keep saying that when I read all of it. I read all of it.
1: I, I read every page. <laughs> <laughs> she skin reads all the books, then she tells the guests. I have read the book. <laughs> I love the book and I read a lot of it and I had a very, it's very good. So, I do
2: apologise, I've been up since half past five, carry
1: on. <laughs> she said her best when she's cross <laughs> i I
3: basically have put together a collection of, they're not found out just by me, it's a collection of really loud, obnoxious and... And interesting facts about everything to do with women's gyny sexual kind of area, and then some self-esteem stuff too. And throughout it, there is littered these kind of like myths or, or truths about where things came from. And one of my favourites, actually my favourite fact in the whole book and ever from the history of time, is the reclaiming of the idea that sperm. I know this is going to feel like a tangent, but I am going to come back to pussy. But here we sperm... go. Don't take a mouthful of coffee, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's what i like my
1: diets yeah. to say i'll come back to the pussy yeah. yes please so yeah leave that egg white omelette for now yeah.
3: <laughs> so so i don't know about you but when i was at school the images textbook images of of how an an egg is fertilized by the sperm always presented this idea that the sperm were like this army right Army. Like in the movie, it's right. Well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fighting the movie, their yeah.
0: way through and yeah.
3: then one of the sperm wins the egg and percolates it or whatever yes, it that does.
1: That, yeah, this is a millions and then one lucky One soldier. lucky sperm. Yes, yes. Well, so
3: the truth is, is that the, the... Now, this is tricky and I wasn't allowed to put this in an interview that Why? I did for the book. because is it it, it's libelous. Because don't say it on our podcast. <laughs> no, it's to do with what's going on with abortion internationally. Right. Um, so I'm going to use the word consciousness, but I do not believe that a cell, it has the kind of consciousness that means we shouldn't be allowed to have abortion up to a healthy date, just to caveat that. However, the egg chooses the sperm. So essentially, when the thousands of sperm come up the vaginal canal and through the fallopian tube trying to get to the egg... An egg has a consciousness, and it chooses in the same way that we Wait. bump around in life, trying to find a partner that feels. Oh, no, we right. have brains. The egg's not sentient; it doesn't have yeah, a. It has a feeling, but we have feelings oh, for It fu- has a feeling. No, not feelings, as in uh, energy. Oh. Energy. You know, you know that we do it. It literally. You can't. Uh, now, this is really interesting that you would believe. That a sperm would have enough energy to be the army that would go through and choose, but you don't believe the opposite—that an opening can happen because essentially, that the, an energy that like forces is the same as an energy that opens. That's the same thing. So, so, so your theory is that that when, it's not a
2: theory; it's proven. But I okay. don't think the sperm are choosing whether or not to like run down the tunnel. I think in the same way as when you. You know, um, put a tap on the water; just comes out of the ta- of the tap. It's not choosing to come out of but the, the tap.
3: women aren't lying upside down when they're getting. <laughs> what well, the, do you mean? With it the sperm <laughs> falling down. What do you think drives the sperm up? The the magic glue. The energy. <laughs> <laughs> energy.
2: Well, the, when you've seen a you've seen a spunk, it goes. <laughs> but when when yeah, it's like it's like a fire
3: hydrant. Like well, I agree with, but but then it has to get through. And get to the egg and get into the Where's egg. Where's it got this energy from? Is it had a fucking Snickers bar? What, How do you what? think you come into the world if you don't have energy?
1: In the loved ones.
3: I don't think having energy and consciousness is the same thing. But maybe consciousness is not the right word. But what I can tell you is that there is a conversation that goes on. And I'm not getting hocus pocus about it. I'm not saying you choose your parents. I'm not, right. It's not that. Mm. It's there is already, of course our bodies have a consciousness and an energy in them. Mm. It's not, it's not an energy like a thinking energy, but even the fact that we have a period once a month, like the body, the body is really intelligent. Right. So the egg essentially decides which sperm is the one that gets to come in. Based on what criteria? Is it on, like, are there Tinder profiles? <laughs> are these, these little
2: right. These <laughs> little no, I've got to do real estate agent. Check out my hat.
1: Oh, I'm very tall. Yeah, oh, is uh,
2: it
3: no. like that?
1: No, nobody in a high-vis vest. No, nobody.
3: It's, no, it's actually, I think it's feeling. It's like it is in the same way. So I don't know if you know this about your hormones. So I just need to caveat the fact that I have actually trained in one of my other lives after mum died in terms of my healing process as a cranial osteopath. And a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about has been proven scientifically okay but is also from that work that i've done which is about the extraordinary energetics that we have in our body that can do things without us thinking that's kind of where i started to explore this and understand that actually the egg has more of a say it's not like there's there's like a kind of like queen egg that's like lying <laughs> back loosing it oh I no don't know. no too old, too uh, you you're the
2: picture you're painting i'm imagining it's like the apprentice she's just behind a big desk
3: (laughs) all these pricks rock up and she's like it's not it's not it's just about you're in there's a reclamation of the fact that it is not just an army of sperm with one of them fighting its way through and and if, if anything i would say that that whole kind of dialogue or you know belief or understanding is very very detrimental to women but to men and women together this idea that the woman has to be you know ugh, I'm gonna like you know (laughs) force her into a relationship with me stems from this teaching and it just doesn't happen that way
1: Oh, so we're not just receivers, we're, we're yeah. active in there. Yeah, I yeah. get okay. can we get back to oh, yeah,
2: yeah, I, I the other I can, I, can, I, I can believe as well that um not you know, the, the fighty sperm aren't necessarily the ones who win, because 'cause I've got two sons and one of them's incredibly uh, laid back. The idea of him, you know, fighting out of a paper bag
1: yeah, He was more of an egg the,
2: it's hilarious. he would uh, yeah. really
1: much rather sure just have a Strongest soldier. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pussies? Yes, yes, yes. We must talk about pussy.
3: Pussy, when you're using it in a derogatory way, so if I call you a pussy because I consider you to be weak, particularly between men and men, yeah. which women have always felt as a really derogatory term, insulting, misogynistic, mm. it's actually from pussylaminous, which does mean weak. Ah. Oh. The right. It actually means a weakness or a, a patheticness pussy laminus yeah and i'd like to think that our nickname for vulva vagina is pussy has got nothing to do with pussy laminus and that it only came from the more sexual connotation of striking a cat yeah yeah yeah
2: well we could talk about your vagina all day but sadly uh we're, we're running out of time mainly because you know i'm tired i've started yawning um, and
0: <laughs> i think
2: It's time for the Scummy Mummy Confessions. We should we do a blended confession, Ellie? Let's do a ben- blended confession. Let's talk about the other week. Mm. So we had a little birthday lunch up London, and then we had a little, a few birthday drinks. Mm. Um, um, probably let's let's be honest, maybe too many yes. birthday drinks. Um, I know you don't drink, Mika, so no. you just get to sit there and feel incredibly smug but about I this. I
3: have drunk a lot, so I get historically. It. I'm yeah, in. You've, yeah. You've, you've, I'm in. You
2: you you can empathise. <laughs> so. Um, and then it got to like, the evening time. By this point, the lunch had been going on for I think nine or ten hours. Yes, yes. We did. It was quite significant. Quite and I like. said, I think it's time. Yeah. I think it's time to go We're home. swaying I'll a bit. call us a cab. And then our friend <laughs> who was with us. Unwisely. He said, I'll get the bill and I'll have a whiskey sour. I thought, <gasps> and I was like, uh, okay, I'll just pay the bill. <gasps> and you said... Whiskey sour <laughs> <laughs> That sounds delicious. I and have I said no memory of this. No. <laughs> said, no memory. I quite often, if I want to have to walk the line between I feel very protective and loving towards Her Helen, but also she's a great Helen. woman Heron. My that's, that's her other Heron. Yeah. Heron thron. Oh and it's a dragon. So I you know, so I have to walk the line of like I wouldn't just sort of look after a protector, but I'm not her mum and I don't want to patronise her. So it's mm. that thing of and I don't always tread that. It's a difficult line to walk. Oh, mm. That's like with any friendships. You sometimes you have to go, mm. Mm, no.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I tried
2: to sort of gently suggest that a whiskey sour, having had about forty other drinks. And I've oh. never seen the other thing, Mika, I've never seen the bitch drink a whiskey sour. I was like, Why? Since when have we been into whiskey sours? I've never seen you order a whiskey, let alone something no, sour. No,
1: I, I'm i I'm a fizzy wine jean. Tea. Like I'm a, a simple wine. girl I'm a simple lady but she was like yeah yeah oh yes sour. please I was like alright all, right, all <laughs> dry Helen's fine, talking now fine, yeah. fine. so she <laughs> had the
2: whiskey sour and we paid the bill and we left and we got in and we were up London and we had to get all the way back to South London and we got about halfway home and then <sighs> she no you passed out you got in the cabin oh see that's
1: better it's better if I sleep it's just better if she goes to sleep so
2: it's fine and I put my noise cancelling headphones on listen to a podcast about video games or the news or something The Happy
3: Vagina Uh, that's right I listen to
2: The Happy Vagina my favourite episode is with um, Gwyneth (laughs) Paltrow and uh, (laughs) listen to that and it, my headphones are noise cancelling, right? So it took me a little while to not oh, No, was I was quite dry. I wasn't even paying attention. And suddenly, I looked over and you, you'd like sat almost bolt upright, like as if from a dream. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, you're right, mate." and you didn't answer and then you look. your sort of head lolled towards the window and I went oh no oh no oh no <laughs> and then you pressed the window button and it got like halfway down and I said to the lovely man Just I was stop, like please sorry pull over please pull over please pull over and um, mm-hmm. you then proceeded to like vomit sort of at the window so like half of it it was like it was like a horse in the Grand National It oh, was gonna have to be shot. It sort of half got over the window and then half just dripped all the way inside and like Ooh. into the little foot the hand Ooh. well and the foot well.
1: I'm not proud. I'm not proud. Very
2: <laughs> and the poor man. And then I we pulled over and I I sort of pulled the door open and then I I had like some tissues in my pocket so I was cleaning up the sit just trying to wipe it wipe it wipe it Dear me. and the man went round and you were just vomiting 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 and then it went on my shoes and I was like <laughs> happy birthday to me and then. <laughs> and the man who would be very and I was at this point I was like this man's going to throw us out of the cab and I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't know how I'm going to get home I don't even know where we are but he opened up his boot and like Batman he had a fucking whole kit a whole sick kit he had wipes he had spray <laughs> he had carrier kind of bags lady. he had rubber gloves he had the full banana and I was standing there with my three it's a credit to Boba so absolute cleaner. credit to the airline absolute credit um, but he
3: doesn't claim to be a scummy mummy
2: uh, no. and I said what well, at the time seemed witty because I was drunk this isn't your first rodeo and he was just like no no it isn't uh, and actually, it wasn't even the first time he heard someone say that was the second time that no nice. so he handed me the kit and I cleaned up the the Thing and it was fine and he very kindly then still continued the journey and mm. took us home and he was like it's fine it's fine it's fine um, and then I got out of the cab and I tipped him whoop the cab fare cost again so
3: <laughs> to say sorry <laughs> thank you uh, it
2: was his birthday yeah, as well it was his <laughs> birthday I'm a good person uh, if HMRC are listening it was a business meeting
0: <laughs>
1: that's why we paid for the cab on the joint account uh, <laughs> And for my birthday, Ellie has is kindly cooking me a roast. Uh, in, has, my, yes, in, in, in my in your house. house, so that I don't have to get you home. I will walk home with my children. She was like, "Let's go out for lunch." I was like, "I
2: don't mind cooking you. At my, cook you something at mine. Maybe just cook you
1: something at mine." Well, I said, "I'll bring the wine." So that and then we're yes. all good. That'd yes. be lovely. I'm and looking like, forward to it.
2: I'll get the whiskey and the sour. <laughs>
1: And the
3: bags
1: oh. and the wet wipes. So yes, that that's the birthday scum. You don't have to do a confession after that. Was quite an elaborate story. I mean,
3: it's like that's just an extraordinary. And what mostly I've been thinking is, I don't have those anymore since I stopped drinking. I've got hundreds oh. of them from years ago. Must be nice. But now I don't drink anymore. Things don't really go wrong in quite you, the mum. same. I am genuinely
1: envious of that. A, yeah, quite yeah, yeah, yeah. the
3: same at quite the same level.
1: No, there is Ellie and I have had. had periods of where we haven't drunk for various reasons and we always say it's annoying how good you feel in the morning every day
3: well i was with someone recently and and um and they stopped drinking too and they said um yeah what i worked out is that whenever i've got problems or things go wrong if i actually did a map it all leads back to alcohol
0: Mm. whether it
3: be being late for something or and i thought that was really interesting i thought yeah i don't have any funny stories anymore about getting drunk do you Isn't have any a... funny or
2: embarrassing stories about
3: I mean literally I I I don't know why I'm having such a blank because I do things all the time that I have to ring mates up and go I can't believe I've just done this <laughs> <laughs> Like literally, but I cannot think of any
2: right Don't now. worry. Don't worry. That's all right. Listen, Mika, you're a multimedia node. Where do we start with all the
3: things? Put all the places people can follow you. Lady Garden. At Lady Garden Foundation on Instagram is a really good place to start. And also the website. At the moment, we've got the Vagina Dialogues, which is education around the cancers. We've got a little pamphlet that you can order and get sent to your house. The Happy Vagina podcast is at The Happy Vagina. And Feet to Gwyneth Paltrow, famously. Yeah.
1: yeah. And Scummy Mummies. And, scummy... and Amanda Abington. it yes, such a great
3: episode with you, with you women. Oh, and also Kate Walsh's episode and Katrina Scorsoni from Grey's Anatomy. This season has been really, really quite life changing in terms of thoughts around women, babies. Katrina's got a Down syndrome daughter. Kate Walsh is child free. So that. And then I've got a film coming out later this year with Joanna Lumley in it. So. My route with Maisie. I just thought I'd throw
0: that in. Oh, yeah, out. we all love your amazing
3: film. Yeah, we'll I, have to, I have to come on when it, come when back, it comes Come back, Come back on and, yeah. and talk yeah. about it. Bring, yeah.
1: bring Lumley. I oh, yeah. love Lumley. <laughs> love a bit of Lumley. Yeah. No, that's excellent. Well, thank you, Mika. And I mean, thank you for being here, but thank you for all what you do.
3: Thank you for thank you for asking me to share my story with you. It's been really amazing. It has. Oh, it's been
1: lovely to have you. Thank you.
2: Uh us for our live show are now on sale. <laughs> 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 we're, we're,
1: they're doing our big greatest hit show, which will be an extravaganza. If you've yes. been to us coming on my show before and you've loved it, come along because there'll be elements of that, but there'll be a whole lot of new stuff, new costumes, a couple of new jokes. Uh, you'll love it and uh, we're, we're touring up and down the country just get tickets from scummymummies.com yes thank you Mika thank lovely
2: you. to chat to thank you thank you so much very, very interesting you. also moving and and you did try a joke so well done <laughs> <laughs> I've got another one a man
3: okay. wakes up at the crack of dawn and he says dawn get the fuck out of my face yay yes
2: <laughs> knocks it out of the park. oh you like that yeah. one yeah yeah, you should have opened with that, to be honest. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> no, no, hold it back, hold it back, hold it back. Oh, thank you very much for listening. <gasps> Until next time! Goodbye! Bye! I know,
1: I've what?
2: got a safe search on, unfortunately, <gasps> so you can't see it,
1: but basically that's... that's
3: oh, it's imagine. a three-way between men. <laughs> Wow, odd, anyway. that's,
1: oh, that's a lot going on. They're having a lovely yeah. time doing
3: yeah. themselves. clean,
2: and then it I became don't know why
3: it's called a lemon tea party.
2: It became such a big thing that now, like, people make lemon party pornography about the lemon party. <laughs> oh, no, I see. Uh, so try, I just saw a nice picture for you,
0: <laughs> can't find it now.